verse 1. I want to talk to you about learning to pray without ceasing. Now, we're just going to read the first four verses, and I'm going to comment, and then we'll go through the chapter, Acts 12, verse 1. Now, about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to, circle that word, vex. Isn't that an amazing word? To vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him, Peter, in prison and delivered him to four quaternions. That means 16, four times four, soldiers to keep him. <laughs> he was that dangerous. <laughs> Intending right after Easter to bring him forth to the people and kill him. Uh, Herod was a bully. He loved abusing other people. He just had this power trip. And he ended up murdering the Apostle James on a whim. Didn't have any good reason to go. James was not going around causing trouble or anything. He's part of the, that, you know, the top three apostles, Peter, James, and John. And so grabbed Peter and had him executed. Uh, just It just was fun. And, you know, there are people today who would love uh, to get rid of us on a whim. That's the, the day and age people used to respect one another. There is no respect anymore. So four sets of four soldiers took turns holding down a lone fisherman. <laughs> they actually end up, two of them being changed to him. That's how... how uh, Herod wanted to portray Peter. Peter was no danger. And yet he wanted him to be chained to give the idea that Peter was a dangerous man and he needed to be killed. I want you to see it pleased the Jews. No, politics hasn't changed in 2,000 years. The only reason why politicians do things is to please a certain section of the population. That's all they do. And uh, Herod, as I said, arrested Peter, and those 16 soldiers were holding on to him. I mean, think about 16 Roman soldiers who are battle-ready, standing guard, holding down this one fisherman. But some of the greatest words in the Bible look in verse 5. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without. What's that next word? I love that word. We read that in Acts 5.42, didn't we? And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not. They didn't cease. So prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. This is the most important part of the message. The Christians of the first century just couldn't stop teaching and preaching and witnessing, soul winning. They were active. And that's our goal this year, to be active, not just sit and spectate and, and, and allow 10 or 20% to get excited and do the work, but everyone in the church to be actively in a part of the gospel. Here they were praying without ceasing. As a matter of fact, one of the commandments in the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, is three words, real short verse. You want to memorize it? Pray without ceasing. <laughs> That's a very short verse, but it's a commandment. That means to pray without quitting, to pray without boredom, to pray without distraction, to pray without hesitation. Just pray and don't ever give up. 
You see, to them, prayer was a priority. The whole church made prayer a priority. Look there in verse 5. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made by his mother. I don't know if his mother's alive. He did have a mother-in-law, the first pope. Mother-in-law means wife. Anyway, uh, but it wasn't just, if he did have a mother at that time still alive, it wasn't just his mom praying. I'm sure his pastor was praying for him, but it doesn't say that. It says prayer was made without ceasing of the church. And if you know anything about the numbers of the church in Jerusalem, there were tens of thousands of believers in Jerusalem. And they made it a priority. Why isn't our Wednesday night service a priority in this church? Hmm. Why is it I don't see everybody here on Wednesday night? It's going to get quiet here now, Nita. I'm sorry. We had a good service up until now, you know, whatever it is. These Christians were not just going through the motions. They weren't just there to go to heaven. They were there to live for God now, and they knew they needed prayer. There were thousands of people praying across the city of Jerusalem. They didn't have a big building to meet in, so they met in homes, and they packed out the homes for prayer. We're going to see that in a moment. There were one voice asking God to do the impossible. You know, every time you pray, you're supposed to ask for what can't be done. I mean, if you can't pray for the impossible, why pray at all? You know why wealthy people don't pray? They can buy it. Rest of us, we got to pray, amen? If you're ever going to learn to pray, you've got to start to believe it is important enough to make it a priority where you make it a part of your daily life. It's not rare. It's not, a, not flippant, not apathetic. It's where you first wake up and the first person you talk to is Jesus. The first person that you want to thank and, and, and bring your heart to and, 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 and your cares and your worries and your day to is God Almighty. That's priority. If you say, oh, I'll pray on my way to work, you won't pray on the end. The devil will put a crazy driver in front of you the whole way. And then some crazy coworker at work. It, you got to make prayer a priority. You know, nobody learns to pray until they have to. This church needed, had to pray because Peter was on death row. They prayed only to God. I don't care what you were taught in school or whatever church you've been to. They didn't pray to Mary. They didn't pray to saints. They didn't pray to fairies. They didn't pray to the great spirit. There was no Hail Mary full of grace. There was no Our Father who art in heaven. It was, oh God, protect Peter. God, you are the God of heaven and earth. God, would you intervene? That's how you pray. Prayed for God to protect uh, Peter from Herod's sword. It's, they had heard and seen how it had taken the life of James, and here it was about to take Peter's life. So they began to pray. Pray that God would deliver him from Herod's power and that Peter would not die. They couldn't quit. Um, I don't know. I had, yeah, there it is. <laughs> they couldn't quit. It says they made prayer without ceasing. They just kept praying and praying. As long as Peter was still breathing, 
they were going to pray. And you know what? If you've got somebody who's unsaved or somebody who's away from God or somebody who's just backslid or somebody who's just not doing right, as long as they're breathing, what should you do? Pray. Pray for them because they're in the grip of Satan. They're in the grip of this world. And you're, um, uh, you know, yelling and you're fighting and you're pushing and your manipulation is not going to change them. You know what is? God Almighty. They prayed for Peter. They couldn't quit. And they prayed, said for a good reason, for Peter. And lastly, they had access, not to their own strength, but to God's power. Hold your place here and go to James chapter 5. James, right after the book of Hebrews, which we were at just a few moments ago. James chapter 5 and verse 6. If anybody says prayer is easy, I don't think they really pray. Because prayer is hard work. You ought to read the Psalms. David, when he's writing those psalms, he's writing out his prayer list. <laughs> and it's hard. It's not, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. No, he's crying out, oh God, where are you? You know, when you pray, the Bible says you are coming before the throne of God's, not judgment, but God's grace. A throne of mercy. It says in James 5, 16, it says, confess your faults one to another. Maybe there's a reason why you're not getting answers to prayers because there's a problem between you and somebody. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. Why? Because the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, there's a lot of work you need to do to make sure you're right, and I understand all that, but man, don't say, well, I'm backslid, so I shouldn't pray. That's stupid. You ought to get right so that you can pray. Because, folks, a praying man, a praying mom, a praying teenager, a praying child is a powerful force in this sin-cursed world. Would you agree? Would you start to believe that prayer means something? No wonder the devil spends most of his time hindering our prayer, hindering our prayer time, hindering our desire to pray. Now, what's cute is, look in verse 6. What was Peter doing back in Acts 12 and verse 6? The night before, he's executed. Acts chapter 12, verse 6. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was, I love that. <laughs> he was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door, they kept the prison. Oh, it was locked tight. He's surrounded by 16 soldiers, changed to two of them. He's locked in an inner prison behind iron doors with two layers of wards surrounding him. The cries of men in each of the cells all surrounding him sounded through those halls. It must have been a horrible, horrible night. What would you be doing? I mean, I've been in the hospital, you've been in the hospital, and somebody next to you moaning and grabbing. It's hard to sleep, amen? What if you were in prison? Well, Peter was sleeping like a baby. He was asleep, chained to two soldiers. He was totally at rest. He was quiet. There was no fear. Not like most people. Do you know why? Because he was saved. I love that Bible word. 
Peter knew he was on his way to heaven when he died. Do you know that? No wonder people are afraid of death. Not a Christian. I don't want to die. But the Bible says that death has died for the Christian. The Bible says we've been translated from death unto life. May not mean much to you, but it will one day. Those of us who have been born again has passed from death into life. You know what else? Why he's able to sleep? Because he's in the will of God. You say he's in prison. He's right where God wanted him. And until we start to yield to the lordship of Jesus Christ and say, Lord, you saved me. You own me. Wherever you put me is where I belong. And it means in prison, he's able to go to sleep. He's not going, oh, this is terrible. No, it's where God wanted him. That's called the will of God. We always want the will of God to be in Tahiti or Bahamas. Or at least Malaga. That's where we want the will of God. And he's looking forward to being with Jesus. Do you know who he missed the most? Jesus. Look in Philippians 1.21. Hold your place here in Acts. Go to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21. Philippians 1.21. Well, Paul wrote, he kind of summarized it. I love this. Philippians 1.21. For me to live is Christ. My life is it's to be like Christ, and to die is awful. No? <laughs> to die is gain. Woo! Somebody says, you're going to die. Hallelujah. I told you about a guy who was preaching uh, uh, about drink, and uh, people were getting saved, and they weren't going down to the nearby set of pubs. There's always a bunch of pubs. You ever wonder why? One church and six pubs always bothers me. And he started preaching specifically against drink and about drunkenness and about stupidity and people abandoning their homes. And he preached hard and hard. And a couple of the guys losing clients, not coming anymore, went down to that church, heard him preach one night as he preached his heart out after the service. He put on his hat. He's going out the back door and a guy met him with a gun. Chicago. You know, everybody's got a gun in Chicago. Met him with a gun. He says, say your prayers, preacher. You're about to die. And he took his hat off and he said, sweet Lord, I'm coming home. Bring it on, buddy. <laughs> you can't scare me with heaven. Amen. The guy dropped the gun and ran off. You know what he did the next night? He was sitting in the back of that church while that man preached again and that pub owner got saved. Let me tell you, you can't scare a Christian with death. You can't. He's looking forward. You know what 2 Corinthians 5 says? We are always confident knowing that while we're absent from the Lord, we're absent, while we're present with the body, in the body, we're absent from the Lord. But then he says, we're willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. That's my will, to go home. But you know, one other reason why he was able to sleep is because he was comforted knowing that people were praying for him. He must have been very encouraged that the entire church in Jerusalem was a praying for him. And it enabled him to get some sleep. Sometimes it's just wonderful when somebody texts you and says, I'm praying for you. <gasps> Thank you. Prayer is a greater force than all the darkness that the devil can throw at you and me. There is so much comfort in the presence of God, casting all your cares upon him. There is so much repair and refreshment 
and, and, and revival when we just make time for prayer. Honestly, ladies and gentlemen, you know the power of prayer and the devil convinces you, oh, it'll take too much time. Oh, I don't, I don't get much out of it. Wake up and realize prayer is the priority. He's able to sleep at night. I wonder if that'll help your sleep if before you went to sleep, you actually, like a child, got back on the side of your bed, grabbed your husband's hand, grabbed your wife's hand, says, let's pray. Let's just praise God. Let's just cast all of this awful day on him and let's go to bed. Amen. And watch what happens back there in Acts. Acts chapter 12, verse 7. And behold, I like how he says that. It's as if, surprise! <laughs> behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, upon Peter, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side. I think angels have fun. He sort of kicks Peter. Because <laughs> I think Peter's not waking up. He's saying, Peter, Peter, Peter's sound asleep. So he smote Peter on the side, and he raised him up, pulled him up, saying, Arise up quickly, and his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, put on your cloak, and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out, and he followed him, and wist not, just an old word just means he knew not, that it was true what was done by the angel, but he thought, he saw a vision. He was having a dream. And when they were past the first and the second ward, they came into the iron gate that leadeth into the city, which opened to them of his own accord, Star Trek sidewise. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. Guess who shows up that night? The angel of the Lord. Prayer had stirred the mighty angel of the Lord to deliver Peter. It wasn't just any old angel that showed up in that cell. He's called the angel of the Lord. And you ought to memorize Psalm 34, verse 7. It says, the angel of the Lord already encampeth around them, out them that fear him and delivereth them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man, even in prison, even in trouble, even under oppression, even in agony and sorrow. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. That angel shines some light in that room. And believe me, that was a dark prison. And wherever you've been, where it's been dark, the Lord is your light. He woke Peter up, stood him on his feet, and those chains fell off. You know, God loves doing this. You'll find in chapter 16, Paul and Silas are in, in chains and in stocks. They're in the inner prison. God has to, he just shakes the whole prison there. Chains fell off. Not just of Paul and Silas, but of every prisoner. That's how good God is. He can make everybody free. And everything's off, and they're standing up, and they're free. The doors are open. God loves breaking chains. You know what old Peter said? Must be a dream. <laughs> now, I have to laugh because I would agree with him. Peter thought it was just a dream. I can see him. You know, he gets up and he's an angel. Mm. I'll get on my sandals. Okay, so he's put on his sandals and he's kind of smiling stupidly. Puts on his, oh, my cloak too. Okay, puts on his cloak. He's looking at those two sleeping guards who are not allowed to sleep. And he goes over and the door is open and the angel says, quickly, come with me. And he walks out and he's sort of 
feeling like he ought to float along. And he sees all of these other 14 soldiers flat out sleeping, snoring um, uh, on the floor. And he goes from through one ward and then a second ward and then up to the iron gate. And he goes, what's going to happen here? And the gate opens and the angel says, keep coming. He comes out and the angel disappears. And look at the next verse, verse 11. And when Peter was come to himself, that's a good way of saying, it struck him. <laughs> if it had been a rock, it would have hurt him. He came to himself. He said, now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod. And from all the expectation of the people of the Jews, you better believe Peter was smiling from ear to ear. You see, God's deliverance is real. You know, I got saved. I got saved 42 years ago this week. 15th of June, God saved me. And you do not have to convince me that it was real. I know it was real. And when you start to know that the Bible is true and you start believing the promises of God are true, and when God saves you, you can stand up and say, I am saved. I'm not just hoping to get to heaven. God's deliverance is real. Now, it may take you a little while, get some Bible study, and all of a sudden, the pennies start dropping. You start to realize that, you know, when God saved me, he made me free. I am free from that dominance of sin. I am free from my past. I am free indeed. And old Peter's a good example. I think Peter is kind of like, this is like getting saved all over again. And he's just, I am free, honestly. Peter's pondering there. He's just standing there. And he, I like how he says this. He says, I know of a surety the Lord has sent his angel and delivered me out of the hand of Herod. And I can run you back to Daniel chapter 6 when Daniel says this. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lion's mouth that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me and also before thee, O king, I've done no hurt. But Daniel says, God sent an angel and delivered me from the lion's mouth. And here's Peter saying, he did it to me too. So all of a sudden, he realizes, I am really free. I'm, I, 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 I can go anywhere I want, but I got to go tell the church. I got to go tell them prayer worked. And verse, look at verse 12. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John. This is not Mary, the mother of Jesus. This, there was lots of Marys back then, just like there are today. There are lots of Marys. This is the mother of Mary, sorry, mother of John, whose surname was Mark. Now, we're going to discover this guy a little bit more later in the book of Acts. This is a guy known as John Mark. He wrote a gospel named Mark. Anyway, we'll talk about him later. Uh where many were gathered together, and what were they doing? All right, it's midnight. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. It is the middle of the night. Peter's going to, to the house of Mary, uh, where people are gathered, and they're praying. Verse four, uh, 13. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, there's an outer gate, and then there's the door of the house. I mean, she's got it all locked up there. Uh a damsel came to hearken and said, who's that at the door? And her name was Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness. Wouldn't that be rude? <laughs> I come to your house. 
And they go, oh, it's pastor. And then everybody runs away. <laughs> but she ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said to her, thou art mad. You're a crazy woman. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, oh, it's his angel. I don't know what they thought that meant. Oh, they, some people are just superstitious. They're just all into all kinds of things. Verse 16, but Peter continued knocking. I wish you would circle that, underline that, star that. What was Peter doing? He didn't give up himself. He says, I got to let him know. I'm out. So he kept knocking. When they had opened the door, they saw him and they were shocked. They were astonished. But he, beckoning unto them with a hand, shh, to hold their peace, because they're probably screaming. He declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And, and he said, go show these things unto James. Go tell. There's, there's several James as well. There was James the apostle. And there's also James, the half-brother of Jesus. He was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And go show it to all the brethren. And he departed and went unto another place. So he goes to the house of Mary and is packed. Ladies and gentlemen, what were they doing in that house? That's very convicting. It's after midnight, and there was nobody there being entertained. There was nobody there being fed. They were there for one purpose, and they were praying. Oh, that our homes were known as places of prayer as much as they are of entertainment. Oh, that our homes were places where God's people gathered together to pray for the impossible to happen. Now, yes, Jesus said, my house shall be called the house of prayer. But you know, where two or three are gathered together in his name, Jesus says, that's my house too. Peter knocked. Rhoda answered. She went running back in the room. Peter's out. Peter's free. He's here. He's okay. God has answered our prayer. And you know what's funny? No one believed. Now this has got to be God's greatest humor. Because here are people, you know what they're praying? Oh, God in heaven, almighty God, God who can do anything, deliver Peter. Knock, knock, knock. Peter's here. No, he's not. Lord, keep Peter alive. He's alive. He can't be. <laughs> That's humor, folks. Folks, mm, they were praying with imperfect faith. They called her crazy. They said it doesn't happen. They joked that it must be his ghost. And then they would go back to praying. <laughs> you know, I just, I'm just glad they were praying because you know what God does? God answers imperfect prayers. Do you see how much faith those Christians had? Not one of them had the faith to believe that the prayer came true. <laughs> and yet that prayer that time spent in prayer that you thought was a waste, that you thought was so much time on a Wednesday night, or so, that was too much time at the side of your bed. That's just too much of your valuable time. It doesn't do anything. Let me tell you, you've got this twisted. You think you have to pray perfectly. You have to raise your hands perfectly. You have to say it word for word perfectly. You have to say the and thou perfectly, or else you're not going to get into prayer. Just pray. God loves answering imperfect prayers. A lot of people would say, but God doesn't answer my prayer. 
Well, I have, I have news for you. He probably did. He just said no. <laughs> Lord, I prayed for a husband. The Lord says, you don't want the ones that are around you now. Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm praying for a new house. You really want to get in that much debt? No. Lord, I'm praying for this and I'm praying for that. You're, you're not answering. No, he is answering. We just don't like the answer. You know what the Bible says? Wait. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. I love, let me read it again, verse 16. But Peter continued knocking. Hey, you know what? There's a load of us who have little faith, not enough faith. I'm just glad somebody's knocking on the door saying, believe God. Peter was knocking on that door saying, it works. Guys, don't quit. There's so much more to pray about. Pray without ceasing. Make it, keep it the priority. Now that I'm free, there's more trouble coming. Thank God Peter kept knocking. And then Peter it's a great example for us when Christians kind of get discouraged, keep knocking, saying, I'm the proof that he answers prayer. I'm the proof that he answers prayer. Now, verse 18 is kind of funny. Now things start to snowball. Verse 18. Now, as soon as it was day, there was no small stir. You know what that means? Panic <laughs> among the soldiers of what was become of Peter. Verse 19, and when Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers, means he interrogated them, and he commanded that they should be put to death. And then he went down to Judea to Caesarea, and there abode. He went down to his summer home. So no small stir. Peter's escaped. You imagine? Here's a guy off to the left of Peter, and he's, oh, He's rubbing his eyes. He says, man, what a nice sleep. Boy, I haven't slept like that in weeks. And then he looks over at the other guy. And he realizes Peter's gone. He realizes he was asleep. And then he looks out the, the door and the other guys are waking up. He says, we're doomed. <laughs> because in their line of work, you couldn't sleep. They were, they were as soldiers, they were um, commissioned to do what their centurion told them, which was to guard Peter, and they failed. And it cost their lives. I mean, what a nice, if you had to work for, yeah, if you tell me your boss is bad, remind them, remind yourself of Herod, okay, working for him. Now, say, that's not fair. Well, oh, Herod, he's got to come up and, I didn't know that was a real word. I looked it up. It's in the dictionary. Isn't that a cool word? Comeuppance. You're going to get your comeuppance. <laughs> I like that word. It simply means he's going to get what he deserves. Look at verse 19. When Herod, I'm oh, sorry, I read that. Uh, bu, 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 bu. Yeah, I got to finish up verse 19, the end of it. When Herod had sought for him, he found him not. He examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. And he, nothing ever faces him. He went down from Judea to Caesarea in their abode. Verse 20. And Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon. But they came with one accord to him, and having made Blastus the king's chamberlain their friend, they desired peace. Now, he was threatening war, and so they brought in a, one of his men, 
into leadership because their country was nourished by the king's country. So right here, uh, these, these guys, um, I mean, just first day this year, Herod is so different than Peter. Think of the power he had. He had legions of Roman soldiers at his, at his whim. He could call for his soldiers to be executed and it's carried out. He had incredible power compared to Peter. Peter said these words, silver and gold have I none. This feeble fisherman compared to mighty Herod. All right, just get that picture, okay? He threatened war against the Tyre and Sidon. He didn't like them. He decides, this guy's a bully. He just bullies everybody he can. And they, they feared him. They needed his benevolence. If he didn't, uh, he gave them permission to open up the ports and to bring ships in. And if he turned off his approval of, of, of um, Tyre and Sidon being ports, they, their economy would have collapsed. They were desperate under his control. So he decides to come in and show off. Look at verse 21. And upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne. That's kind of funny. This guy goes around everywhere carrying his throne with him. Here, here are guys who are, uh, what's that word where they're stuck on themselves? Uh, huh? Conceited, yeah, but there's another word. It's a newer word, you know, they're, starts with an N. I can't remember now all of a sudden. Narcissist, there you are. This is the king of narcissism. He is an absolute show-off. He's going to make a fancy oration, which is a political speech. He loved the sound of his voice, and he thought that his words will be remembered forever. Verse 22. I, uh, yeah, let me read verse 21. And upon a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne, made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, oh, it is the voice of a God and not a man. You know what that is? flattery always wonder about the guy or the woman who says you're the best preacher in the world because there's a knife in their hand somewhere oh, i'm gonna get you <laughs> he loved flattery it's the same with the antichrist by the way revelation chapter 13 verse 4 says and they the whole world will worship the beast saying oh who is like the beast who is able to make a war with him? He is unstoppable. He's so mighty. And it goes on and it says, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life. I ain't going to worship him. Of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And then I want you to see the next verse, verse 23. And immediately that same angel of the Lord that delivered Peter smote him because he gave not God the glory. And he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. This is a good story for your kids just before they go to bed. <laughs> Amen. The angel of the Lord killed Herod on his throne. What a way. Freed a poor, feeble, at least they thought they were, fisherman. And killed one of the strongest, mightiest men in the region. You better decide whose side you're on and uh, whether you're going to outlive your enemies. You know what makes a winner in a boxing match? To stand just 10 seconds longer than your opponent. And you know in this life that we're in, we are going to stay standing when all our enemies are going to be done away with.
the devil is going to be put away forever. Hallelujah. I'll be at the feet of Jesus on my face, and the devil will be screaming in torment for all eternity. Don't you want to last? Don't you want to hold on and just say, Lord, you made it so I can keep standing. I will. And having done all, what does Ephesians 6 say? To stand. Hmm. You know what Herod, Herod was? Worm food. He was filled with worms throughout his body, eating him from the end. Think of that for a second and realize, God put that in the Bible. Yeah, it's called comeuppance. It's called you reap what you sow. And a lot of these guys who are so wealthy, they, 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 they think they're God. They play God. And you know what they have to have? A team of doctors keeping them upright. Because inside is stress and darkness and demons and depression. And, and you don't want to know all the darkness inside of them. You know what's inside, Peter? The Holy Spirit of God. Clear conscience. Herod was worm food. Why? Because he didn't give God the glory. Didn't give God the honor. He thought he was like God. He believed he was the center of the universe. He thought he could live without God. Didn't need God. He was smarter than God. You know what? Unfortunately, this is the sin of all. This is the root sin of all mankind. Listen to Romans 121. Because that when they knew God. And did you know everybody knows there's a God? Not everybody knows there's a Jesus, but everybody knows there's a God. And when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful. So they became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Did you know, no one remembers what Herod said that day. Go look at the next verse. Verse 24, but the word of, the God, but the word of God grew and multiplied. Isn't that awesome? Huh. It grew in its influence and it multiplied. People were, were spending months making copies of the Old Testament and copies of the New Testament scriptures being written. The word of God multiplied. No Herod's, whatever words he said, went into the dustbin. In verse 25, we'll finish. And Barnabas and Saul, they've been in Antioch at this time. They returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry. And guess what? They took with them John, whose surname was Mark. They're going to mentor him. They're going to encourage him. That's a good thing. Uh, they were going to prepare him for the gospel ministry. Young men need to seek the will of God for their lives today because some of us are getting older, folks. They ain't kicking the bucket yet. But we need young men like John Mark. We can stand behind this pulpit and look at people and go, <laughs> God, give me something to say. Way of finishing, we need to pray. God's people need to pray and believe that God still answers prayer. Our highest need is to gather together again and again and pray. I love Wednesday, I love Sunday mornings. But you know, Sunday mornings, not all there is to church. Wednesday night, this same crowd should be here. Because the needs that we have are just as great, are just as serious, and are just as life-threatening. If you haven't known our world is broadcasting such wickedness and such vileness 
not only on the radio, not just in news, not just in cartoons, but in the newspaper at every turn. And we're playing church. We need to repent and say, God, make me a prayer once again. Ladies, you need to pray for your husbands. I know they're a mess and I want to kill them just like you do. Pray for your husbands, young men, young ladies. Pray for your daddy. Church, you need to pray for your pastor. If you just come in going, well, let's see if pastor does any better this week. I can tell you haven't prayed for me. Pray for the men of this church. Every man in this church needs us praying for him. The world has such plans for the men in this church for their ruin. And if they get ruined, you're ruined. It's a snowball effect. It's a domino effect. We've got to pray. We've got to pray because imperfect faith still moves the mighty hand of God to answer prayer. You know what? Jeremiah says, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. You won't even believe it. <laughs> Just call. Pray. Stop worrying about praying perfectly. Just start talking to God. Ask him about everything you need. Start humbling yourself and repenting of not doing what he's told you to do. Thank him for absolutely everything in your life, good and bad. And just pray. Because we're all worm food. You don't like me talking like that. I know that. But we are just worm food. And you and I, we're alive today. Tomorrow, we may die. And when we have a funeral and have to put that body in that grave, guess what you are? Worm food. Is that how you want to be? Or do you realize that you have a soul inside of you that will live forever? The choice is up to you whether you go up or you go down. That grave is not the end of any man's life, not the end of any child's life, not the end of any woman's life. That is just a door. And every Christian in this room has got to go, I'm ready to go through that door because I know I'm going heavenward. But if you're not saved today, you need to check your heart. Say, how do I know if I'm saved? Well, here you go. If prayer, the Bible, heaven, hell, holiness has none of your interest, then you're not saved. It's that simple. You can't claim to be saved and not interested in the Bible. You can't claim to be saved and not interested in, in souls and in personal holiness. We get discouraged. I know we're a mess. Chief of sinners, but boy, I want to be holy. I want to be clean. I want to go to sleep at night with my conscience clean. I want to live my life with nothing hidden. That's a Christian heart. You ought to be very worried because you're not okay if you're not saved. Bible says you're still in your sins, and like chains, they will take you all the way before a throne that was a throne of mercy, but it will be the throne of God's almighty wrath, and the judgment of God will fall, and without Jesus as your mediator, you're doomed. You know, it could be tonight, or it could be 25 years from now. I don't know. The only thing that will make the difference is if you just humble yourself out, humble yourself, cry out, there's one name you can cry, and it's heard all the way to heaven, Jesus. And ask him to save you from your sins and decide that that moment I'm going to follow him. 42 years ago this week, I did, and I, and it changed my life and never regretted one second. You can make it today. Stand with me. Let's bow in prayer.
Every head bowed, every eye closed. What's it going to be? You say, I came to this church. I just wanted to get the free food. Yeah, well, we're going to eat. But you've heard something that probably pricked your heart. I hope it did. There had to have been something. Every, eye, every head bowed, please. Every eye closed. Nobody looking around. It had to be something that just cut down to the heart. And you went, ouch, I don't like that. Good. I've done my job. What was it? What did God speak to you about? And you need to talk to him and say, God, there's some things in my life that are out of balance, that are wrong. I'm, 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 living, I'm living for the devil. I'm living for myself. I'm just like Herod. I'm living without you. And I don't want to be worm food. I'd like to be a child of God. I want to be born again. I want to be saved. I'd like, I didn't know I could get saved today. You can. You can believe that Jesus died for you. You believe that he died, but you just don't believe he died for you. You believe that he saves sinners. You just won't let him save you from your sin. Say, Lord, I trust it today. I actually do believe you. I have imperfect faith, but evidently you answer imperfect prayers. I don't know how to pray, but would you save a wretch like me? It'll work. Christian? Take a moment and say, Lord, keep knocking. Keep reminding me that prayer works. When the prayers aren't being answered, remind me that you have answered so many in the past and you're just telling me no or you're telling me to wait. And I just want to just believe you more than ever. God, forgive me for being like those Christians, praying so fervently but not believing. Make me a believer again. Lord, I just dedicate the rest of the day to you. Thank you for 28 years with the people of God. I wouldn't want to be with any other group. Uh, we're an imperfect people, but we, we sure are grateful you save sinners like us. And so bless us as we now have time for fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen.